good there, and God's got something more for us next week. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, this is a good sermon series that's coming up, and uh, I'm excited. Atmosphere changers. Atmosphere changers, and we're just waiting for my, my thing here. But while we wait, let me say this. Atmosphere changers. And so here's the point of the sermon series is that as Christians, we are called to change the atmosphere around us. We are called to be, as believers, we are called to change every situation that we walk into. Every situation, wherever it is, whether it's in the marketplace, whether it's in a coffee shop, whether it's in a diner, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's the neighbor's house, our relative's house, wherever it is that we find ourselves, as Christians, we are called to influence and change the atmosphere that we find ourselves in. This is the call upon us as Christians, that we change the circumstances. We don't leave them the way they are. They're not okay the way they are. As Christians, our job is to influence the places that we go and the places that we find ourselves. Change the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere. And so whatever it is, whatever situation you walk into, assess that situation, decide what's there, and decide what they need. And we're going to look at some scriptures today that show us that we're called to be atmosphere changers. This isn't something that I just made up and said, hey, this would be a great idea. This is straight out of scripture. Amen? So let's look at that. Before we do, before we do, a couple of announcements, you know, we're family here at Redeeming Love. It's, it's my honor to announce for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs. Tim and Megan Faircloth. <laughs> Now, they may have been here last week or the week before. I don't know. Uh, they were, okay. But I wasn't here, and I couldn't make that announcement. I watched you online, and nobody made that announcement, so I get to make the announcement. Uh, they got married uh, about a month ago? July 18th. So, yeah, just about a month ago. And so, praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm so happy. And so, uh, several weddings. I've done three so far this year. And so weddings have been planned, weddings have been canceled, and then they said, you know what, we're going to get married anyways, and then we'll just have a celebration next year. And so amen, amen, amen. Uh, another announcement that I want you all to be aware of is that Ariana got engaged while we were away. Yes, so congratulations to Pedro and Ariana. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. As you know, we were away for uh, Jamie and Danny's wedding. That was fun. Skip it to slide three. There we go. Here's the scripture that I want to start out with today. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is, good, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all of those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that, you, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, this one scripture is enough for us to understand that we're called to influence the situation around us. Salt, you are the salt of the earth. 
Salt affects every single thing that it touches. How many of you ever swam in the ocean? You get a little bit of water on your lips, and then you lick your lips, and man, that's salty. Salt affects the water. Natural water, uh, uh, non-salt water doesn't taste anything like that. It, it affects things. And so light has an effect. You can see me right now because there's lights in the room. If we were to turn out all the lights, there's only one little window that's letting in light, and it's that little one over there. You wouldn't see me if, if we turned off all the lights. But we can see because of the lights. And so you are the light of the world. Jesus said this. These are Jesus' words. And so let's stop for a moment and just talk about salt. Salt has a couple of properties about it that are very unique. Number one, salt has a preserving quality to it. You know, back when the sailors used to sail, they used to take meat and they used to fill it with salt. It used to be very salty. But the reason for that is that it would help it to keep for very long periods of time, even without refrigeration. And so salt has a pure, uh, pure, uh, preserving quality about it. Salt preserves. And so if we are, as Christians, if we are the salt of the earth, then we preserve the earth. We preserve the place in which we find ourselves. This is a very interesting, uh, this is a very interesting aspect of salt. And so um, Derek Prince, in his book, Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting, makes the correlation between the preservation of us as Christians in a place and the preservation of uh, uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So as, Adam is, as Abraham is walking with the Lord on the way to Sodom and Gomorrah and, and God tells him, listen, I'm going to destroy the city. And then Abraham says, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And so Abraham's interceding. He's making this intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, if you find 50 righteous in the city, will you not destroy it? And God says, okay, if we find 50 righteous, I won't destroy it. And so then they continue to walk, and Abraham says, well, what about 45? What about 40? What about 30? And he keeps whittling God down. <laughs> He's interceding for us, man. And, and he keeps working it down and working it down, working it down. He gets them down to 10. He's like, if we find 10 in the city, will you not destroy it? And he's, God says, I won't destroy it for 10. 10 people, and I won't destroy the city. Now, as you know or may not know, uh, he goes and who does he find? He finds Lot and his wife, so there's two. And so destruction's coming upon the city. But he told the righteous Lot and his wife to get out of the city, right? And so they, oh, you, you know the rest of the story. But here's the principle that we can take away. If there were 10, he was not going to destroy the city. They estimate that the city uh, would have been around 10,000 people. So one Christian has the ability to preserve a thousand. It's a ratio. And so in order to preserve 320 million people in America, I think it might be higher than that now, total population. In order to preserve 320 million people in America, we need 320,000 righteous Christians. It's one in a thousand. Come on. The nation will be preserved. The nation will go forth. Salt. Salt, adds, salt also adds flavor. How many of you like to eat food without salt? How many of you like to eat food with salt? How many of you can't have salt because you have high blood pressure or some other health thing, and they're like, oh, no, no salt, right? 
Salt adds flavor. How many of you like potato chips with no salt? How many of you like McDonald's fries with no salt? <laughs> I'm not going to go in. There's a story behind salt, fries with no salt. We're not talking about that. Uh, we're not going to even talk about that. Nobody likes fries without salt. It's the salt that adds the flavor. And so in the same way, you are the salt of the earth. You add flavor to the earth. God doesn't destroy the earth because you're here. God doesn't pour out his wrath because you're here. You are the flavor. When does the wrath of God get poured out? In the end times, after we're removed. God only pours out his wrath on the ungodly. I've said this time and time again, and we have to understand, we are the light of the world. But we have to understand this premise, this, this principle about light. We have to understand that light has power over darkness and that darkness has no power over light. Okay? One of these times I'm going to do this. But if we had a demonstration, we turned out every light in the room and I just lit a match, that one match would dispel the darkness to a certain amount. And then, you know, you light more, and, it, and it, it just, the darkness has to flee when the light is there. Conversely, this closet over here behind the darlings is completely dark on the inside. And if we were to open that darkness up to the room, the room doesn't become more dark. It doesn't. You wouldn't notice any difference. The, the light would infiltrate and eliminate the darkness that's in that closet. Light has power over darkness, and darkness has no power over light. And you are the light of the world. Come on, we've, we've got to embrace this. We've got to understand this, and we've got to live this way. Darkness has no power over you. Say it with me. No power. None. We have to get that in us. We have to get that right down deep where it counts so that we believe it, so that we live it. Darkness has no power over us. None. All right, let's keep going. Matthew chapter 10. We're going to read it all. Glory to God in heaven. We are called as Christians to change the world in which we live. It's not good enough to leave it the way that it is. We're called to bring change. We're called to effect change every place that we go. This is the sending out of the 12 apostles. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. And when he had called his disciples to them... He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. Then Jesus sent out the twelve and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Now let me just pause for a moment and say that this was a, a word, this go only to the house of Israel was a word that was spoken in season, specific in a specific period of time. He would later instruct his disciples to go and to preach the gospel to Gentiles. And so today we are to preach to both the Jew and the Gentile. There is no restriction on who we preach to. It's just wherever we go, we preach the kingdom. We need to understand that. As you go, preach, saying, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is right here before you. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Remember, you are the light of the world. Darkness has no power over you. I give you the power. Jesus said, I give you the power to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to perform all these miracles. Go. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. It's a pretty high, it's a pretty high bar. Jesus is sending us out in ministry. We're sending all you guys out in ministry today. As you go from here today, go. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cure coronavirus, raise the dead. This is what Jesus was saying to his disciples. You have power over all of this. Go and execute your power. Go and share your power. Go and share the power that's been given to you. The signs were given as a testimony to Jesus. God doesn't give signs and miracles and wonders just because they're fun. God gives signs and miracles and wonders because people begin to say, How did you do that? How did this happen? We read about it in the books of, book of Acts. How did you heal this man? It was by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's always given as a witness. It's always given as a testimony. The healings are given so that there would be testimony, so that God would be glorified. Freely you have received, freely give. This isn't, I didn't do this. I didn't do this of my own power. Jesus gave it to me. And I gave it to her, gave it to him, gave it to whoever that needed it. I didn't heal George. God gave me something, and I gave it to him, and, and God healed him. I'm just a conduit. I'm just, the, the power just passes through. I want to be, I wanna be the, the best conduit I can be. What's, I think platinum carries conduit the best. I don't know. Ron, you might know. Carries, carries current the best. I want to be platinum, baby. I don't know. Maybe it's gold. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Somebody might know. I want to be the best conduit I can be. I just want it to flow through me. I don't ever care to hold on to it because me holding on to it does me no good. It's got to flow through me. Freely you have given, freely give. Provide neither, we're just going to keep going, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts nor, nor a bag for your journey nor two tunics nor sandals nor staffs for a worker is worthy of his food. Again, we have to understand that this is a specific thing that Jesus is speaking to his disciples for a specific time. Later in Luke 22, as they're preparing to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, 
Jesus will say to his disciples, he says, remember when I told you not to take a money belt? And they're like, yeah, we remember. And he says, did you lack for anything? And they're like, no, we didn't lack for nothing. And he's like, good. But now take a money belt and a knapsack and a tunic. And you know what? Go and get a sword. And if you don't have one, go buy one. This is what he says. And we'll look at the scripture in a bit. But I bring all that up to simply say that here he's instructing them not to bring gold and silver for their journey. But this is a, a seasonal word. And so every time we go to preach the word, we can't be like, well, I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to leave my wallet at home because that's what Jesus said. No, no, no. We can't think I'm going to preach the word and, you know, a, a worker is worthy of his wage. So I don't have to work and have a normal job because I'm preaching. No, no. Later, he would tell them to bring their money belts, to provide for their own self. Paul had a, a profession, and when he didn't preach, he worked and made tents so that he could earn a living and not have to be a burden to the church. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, where are we? Now, whatever city you enter, verse 11, now whatever city you enter, inquire in it who is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a house, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. This is a very interesting the way he words this. When you go into a house, greet it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon that household. Let your peace come upon that household. But if the, if the household is not worthy, let your peace return to you. As Christians, we're called to bring peace. As Christians, we're called to be purveyors of peace, brokers of peace. We're to carry peace. And we're to bring peace as we go. When you walk into a situation... When you walk into a situation, does the situation become more peaceful? Does it become more restful? Or is, does there begin to be an agitation? Now, I'll say this, that sometimes if there's an agitation, there might be a, a, an evil spirit. But more often than not, you know, that's not the case. And we can, we can look further into whether it's an evil spirit or whether it's just... And so sometimes we just don't have the peace that we should have as Christians, we should have peace. Peace should be, people should look at us and be like, man, I just feel better when they're around. <laughs> over, uh, over the past couple months, I don't know how long it's been, as we've begun to be able to uh, sit and have a little bit of a meal, you know, or, or have a dessert fellowship with social distancing with different people, you know, we've been to a few different households and we've shared with a few different people. And it's interesting that as we, my wife and I, as we talk with people, that there's this settling in their spirit as the evening goes on. There's just this settling in their spirit. What is it? It's the peace of God. And so as we walk into the house that we find ourselves in, we let our peace rest here. And if, uh, if someone, uh, in, in, every, in I think every case, someone's worthy, and so the peace 
makes way for itself, and the room becomes more peaceful. The people that we're with experience peace and send us text messages the next day saying as much. Now, if you walk into a situation and it's not peaceful, there could be a couple of different reasons. Somebody could just be agitated. There's a, there is a thing in the natural that is agitated with a peaceful spirit of God. And so there's a very real natural response to the peace of God where your peace isn't going to rest. And then there's also evil spirits that won't allow the peace of God to rest. There'll just be this agitation. And I'm not saying that you don't have power in that situation. You do. You could cast that demon out, and, but then we have to ask, should we? And here's why. It says that in the Bible, it tells us that when we cast out a demon, I know I'm going along on this point, but you need to know. It says that when we cast out a demon, the demon will search through places, and if it doesn't find a resting place, it'll come back and check on the place where it was cast out of and bring 10 other demons with it, and the condition will be worse than it first was. And so I don't ever want to make a condition worse than what it once was, right? And so if they've got one evil spirit, I'll let them live with their evil spirit unless they're ready for me to cast it out. How do we know? Conversation. And so I'll wait until they're ready. Sometimes you don't have to do anything. Sometimes it just goes. When we, were, when we ran our business, um, we had, you know, people coming through all, all the time, you know, hundreds of people a day. And so I, we remember this one young lady who came through, and she was dressed all in goth, you know, all black, black makeup, black, 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 black. And so she comes up to the checkout, and, you know, I mean, there's goth, but there's something extra about this, right? And so, you know, we're like, this is strange. You know, we didn't have to say that, but we're thinking to ourselves as this lady walks up to the counter, this is strange. And so she puts her things on the counter, I don't remember what she had. And she, my wife strikes up conversation. She's great at that. And so she strikes up conversation. And as she speaks, she speaks with English with one side of her mouth and she hisses with the other side of her mouth. So clearly there's an evil spirit here. I mean, normal people don't do this. This isn't a manifestation of the flesh. This is, this is demonic. And so we didn't cast a demon out. We don't know this lady from Adam. She's just somebody on the other side of the, the check, checkout counter. But our place was a place of peace. We played Christian music all the time. We would put it on in the morning when we came, and we'd, we'd leave it on all day long, even if nobody was in the place. We'd always shut it off at night just to, just to save power. You know, we don't want the speakers running all the time. But we would just have, there would just be peace. And people would come, and they would comment. People would come, and they'd be like, man, this place is just so peaceful. Listen, if you've been to my house or if you stood in the nursery ever, it's not peaceful. There's a four-lane highway not 50 feet from the, I mean, the motorcycles go by, and I can't talk to you when you're three feet away because the motorcycles are so loud, dump trucks, constant, roar of the highway. There's nothing peaceful. They come in, they're like, man, this place is just so peaceful. And so we didn't cast the demon out of that person. We just sent her on her way, gave her her change. She took her stuff. She went her way, and she came back the next year. And she didn't do the hissing thing. And then she came back the next year. She didn't wear quite as much black. And then she came back the next year. And I don't remember. I think she went to colored clothing, and she lost weight, and she looked beautiful. And her countenance was changed. Did I play a part in that? I don't know. Yeah, I did. You know what? I'm going to say yes. 
Maybe not. I'm going to say yes. You know what? Just my very presence in that marketplace changed that woman's life. Just the very fact that I created an atmosphere where the peace of God was, and she wanted to continue to frequent our establishment, she may not have known it was the peace of God, but we knew that it was the peace of God, and we know that light has power over darkness, and darkness doesn't have power over light. And that woman's life was changed because we set the standard in our establishment. We said, we're going to have worship here. There's going to be peace in this place. Amen. 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 Carry peace with you. you. If you're having trouble carrying peace, here's the easiest way to carry peace. Carry Jesus. Jesus is peace. Peace is a person. If we have him, we're always peaceful. Think about it just for a moment. The disciples are in the boat. The waves are crashing. Jesus is sleeping. And so, in the disciples' mind, they don't have Jesus right now. He's sleeping. There's a problem, and they can't ask him about it. They're, they're, these are experienced fishermen in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. You know, you would think that with their good sense, they'd be like, should we sail north? Should we sail south? Can we sail around this storm? I don't know. Maybe you can't. I don't sail. But here's the point is that they didn't have Jesus. And then they wake Jesus up. He's there, but they didn't want to bother him, right? So they wake Jesus up and they're like, hey, we're dying out here. We're going to die. There's a storm. Don't you care? I believe Jesus had to be asleep in order for the storm to come because he's so full of peace that the storm would have never made it there if he was awake. Jesus wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and they, it all calms down, super calm, flat. And the sailors say to themselves, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Come on. He is the Prince of Peace. And so when we get into a situation where we're unsure, we're uncertain, there's storms raging, waves crashing, wind blowing... We just simply call on Jesus. Jesus, what's going on here? Don't wait to wake him up. Why are you waiting? You, you see the first little wave. <laughs> Let's back up to the story of the disciples in the boat in the middle of the sea, right? You see the first little wave. No, Jesus said we'd go to the other side. The waves get bigger. Okay, I'm waking them up. <laughs> I'm not going to wait until we think we're dying. Wake them up. Wake them up. Wake them up. First, first Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says, Rejoice at all times. Pray unceasingly. Pray unceasingly. Come on. There, and what does it say? The third thing is uh, uh, and give thanks in all things. If we could just master those three things. Uh, scripture impossible. We're going to have a sermon series called Scripture Impossible. It's going to have stuff like this. Rejoice always. Does it say rejoice Sunday mornings? No. Does it say rejoice when you're feeling good? Does it say rejoice sometimes? Does it say rejoice just in the mornings, just in the evenings, just around supper time? <laughs> yeah, some of this, that was an old song, right? You guys got that one. You young guys, I'm telling you. Early in the morning, early in the evening, just about supper time. No, all times. 
Rejoice always. Years ago, we were uh, attending prayer at a house of prayer, and so it's the worship and, and worship and prayer, and so there was worship going on, and so we would, on occasion, we'd get there a little late because we had work or whatever going on. We got there, we get there five minutes late, worship's going on, and I walk in with my Bible, and I, and I toss it on the seat, and I walk up, and boom, I'm right in worship. And so I think nothing of it. This is just who I am. This is just what I do. And then one of my kids was talking to one of the worship leaders at the house of prayer, and they said... I love how your dad can just come right in and he's just immediately in worship. There's no warm-up for him. And I was like, huh, huh. And so if you've seen the, the first Avengers series, right, and, uh, or the Avengers series, the first Avengers movie, right, Hulk is there and they're like, hey, hey Banner, you want to suit up because the big the big monsters coming down the, the Broadway sh- street, right? And he's like, you, you need to get angry so that you can turn green. And he's like, that's the secret. I'm always angry. And as he turns, he turns green and he punches the thing, right? You guys seen that? All right, now the old people haven't, or I've lost the old people. <laughs> the old people love the supper time thing and now they're like, Hulk who? He says, I'm always angry. Listen, I'm always, how was I able to just drop my book on the, on the seat and go up and just automatically in worship? Because I'm always worshiping. I'm never, I'm never not worshiping. I'm never not worshiping. I'm always worshiping. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Somebody rejoice right now. Come on, give God some praise. Rejoice. Now do that always. Always, at all times, for the rest of your life, until Jesus calls you home. And then you'll do it because you just can't, you're undone in his presence. Rejoice always. Once you've figured that out, we move to part B of the scripture. Actually, you know what? Man, we're, we're killing it out here. No, I don't, what, hang on. My, my thing. Just flop, go all the way to the last slide for me. I'm not even going to fool with this. There it is. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All right, part A, rejoice always. Part B, pray without ceasing. Hmm. Pray without ceasing. <laughs> pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. This never ends. How do I pray without ceasing? I mean, how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to eat? How am I supposed to breathe? You you pray while you're doing it. You worship while you're doing it. You pray while you're doing it. You just keep praying. And you're in that situation where you're just always on. Something comes up and you're like, Jesus, what's going on with Alan? <laughs> now, nothing's going on with Alan. I'm just joking. I just looked down at my live feed. I've got it going here, and Alan's watching along with us. So what's going on with Alan? You know, and there's just, just this conversation. I have this conversation all the time with God about anything. Never move without having this conversation with God. It's just, God, what's going on here? God, what's going on in this situation? God, is this situation okay? God, why, are, why, are, why is everybody doing this? God, what do you want me to do right now? 
God, I'm not comfortable with this situation. Where do I go? And there, we'll look at this next week. We're going to end here. We'll look at this next week, but there's times where you go, and then there's times where you stay. And they're not always the same. And how do we know? Because the Spirit speaks to you. The Spirit speaks to you. Rejoice always. Get that. Live that. Do that. Pray without ceasing. Listen, if you need to learn, if you need to learn how to pray, Linda is running this prayer meeting on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. Come and just sit in the presence of these women and men. There's men there now too. It's, it's, uh, I go sometimes. Uh, I couldn't make it for the past few weeks, but I've been there before. Go and just sit in the presence of these people praying, and you'll learn how to pray. Better yet, just have a conversation. Have a conversation with God. It's really what prayer is. We talk to people. We talk to one another. God just wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to hear what's on your heart. He knows what's on your heart, but he wants to hear it. Just have this conversation. And just because we say the words amen doesn't mean that the conversation needs to end. Amen is just like, okay, I've completed my thought. And then we can tune our ear and listen for God to speak. And then we're just always ready to share with him again. We need to live with an idea that Jesus is right here next to us, because he is. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit is in us, working for his good pleasure. One of the ways that you can pray unceasingly, pray without ceasing, is to pray in tongues. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. Corinthians tells us that when we pray in the Spirit, get this, the Holy Spirit that's in us, God that's in us, searches the deep things of our heart and prays to God in words that we don't understand, and Jesus intercedes to God the Father with those words from the Holy Spirit, and then he gives answer through the Holy Spirit back to us. And so it's, <laughs> it's God praying to God with God, interceding to God, to God, and then God answering through God to us. We've just been taken completely out of the equation. You can't mess this up. <laughs> the human error level becomes zero. Why would you not want to pray in the Spirit? Come on, I've made plenty of mistakes. Uh, the big blue bus. I've made plenty of mistakes. We're not even going to, no one's ever going to know that. We're never going to tell that story. You guys have heard this story. The The... The error level, the human error level here is zero. And God doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> oh, come on. Why would you not want to pray in the Holy Ghost? Why would you not want to pray in the Holy Spirit? Why would you not want to pray in tongues? Come on. We need to ramp up our spiritual language. We should just live it, eat it, breathe it, sleep it. Come on. You want your life to go to the next level? You want your life in God to go to the next level? Start praying, in the, start praying in tongues. We don't talk about it a lot, but man, I hope you're doing it. If you don't, 
listen, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to pray that you get the gift of tongues because it is such a key, man. It is power and fire and peace and just everything you need. All right. How am I going to wrap this up? Part C. In everything, give thanks. Mm. Not, listen, in everything. In everything. In life and in death. In victory and in defeat. In success and in failure. When times are good and when times are bad. When you're really feeling it and when you're not feeling it. When you're happy, when you're sad. I mean, pull out Ecclesiastes and just go for it and give thanks. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die and a time to sow and a time to reap. Praise God when you're sowing. Praise God when you're reaping. Praise God in the morning and in the evening and around supper time and breakfast time and dinner time and bedtime and every time. Give thanks in everything. It says in Ecclesiastes, it says, uh, when the blessing of God comes upon you, be sure to give thanks. But when you find yourself that you're not in such a time of blessing, consider this, that God has appointed one as well as the other. I don't know why we go through seasons like that. I, I know this. I know that. I know that success has a way of revealing a man's heart that Failure never could. And so God will pour out seasons of blessing in your life so that you'll have worldly success, so that things of your heart will be revealed. And he's not revealing it to him. He knows your heart. He's revealing it to you. So pay attention. When the blessing of God comes, pay attention. Pay attention to your character and your motives and your decisions and your thoughts. Wow, that was good. When the blessing of God comes, pay attention to your character and your motives and your thoughts. Because when success comes, God's working to reveal something in us. And again, he doesn't have to reveal it to him because he already knows he's revealing something in us to us. I believe that most of us aren't ready to handle the level of success that God wants to pour out in our lives. It takes a heart that's purely determined after God. I say this, I've said this before. It takes a heart that's purely determined after God to not get distracted from God's purposes by success, by worldly success. God wants to do far more in your life than you're able to stand. Because what happens is that when we get blessed, when success begins to be poured out in our life, we become distracted from his plans and his purposes in our life. We can be just as distracted by success as we can be by failure or disease or a pandemic or riots or anything else going on in the world. And so the, the goal is always to stay in the presence of God. The goal is to rejoice always, to pray unceasingly and give thanks for everything, to, to work to a point where we are 
working this presence of God in our lives that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we are standing in the presence of God and we're always ready to minister the presence of God to someone else. We're always ready to minister peace to someone who needs peace. We're always ready to minister compassion to someone who needs compassion. And then the rare moment where Jesus decides to trust us with healing, we're, we're ready to minister healing where there's needing healing. God wants to do far beyond anything that we've imagined. God wills that all men are saved and that none perish. I don't think that we're ready to pick up, pick up the hoe, pick up the hoe and hoe, hoe that row and work that work to cause that to happen. I don't know that we're ready. I don't know that I'm ready. I'm working toward the place. I want to be ready. I've given it my all, but sometimes my all's just not enough. I need to give it more. And so what am I saying? I'm saying that there's still a little bit of self in me that needs to die. Let's pray. God is calling us to be atmosphere changers. God is calling us to change the atmosphere in which we find ourselves every single day. And so we need to be ready as a people. And as we go out, as the 12 disciples go, went out and he gave them keys on how they were to live and how they were to move, that they were to bring peace, we in the same way were to bring that peace, were to bring change, were to bring change to every situation in which we find ourselves to the glory of God, that God might receive glory. And so, Father God, right now, we pray as your church, God, we pray that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would empower us, God, that we would not be distracted by the things that surround us, and God, that we would change the atmosphere in which we find ourselves. God, that we would trust you that the light that is in us is greater than the darkness. And God, that we would shine our light so that all men would be drawn to you. God, that we would be the salt of the earth. God, that we would make this world acceptable to you and that we would preserve it. And God, we pray for salvation of souls. God, we pray that you would do something in our day that would go beyond. That would just supernaturally go beyond our wildest dreams and expectations. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to receive the offering here in just a moment.